IU Health Bloomington announced this week its plan to relocate and expand the city's hospital to a new location on the Indiana University campus. The move will result in a combined healthcare and academic campus to meet the increasing demand for the university's health sciences programs. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and today on Noon Edition, we'll speak with the IU Health Bloomington Hospital CEO, IU Bloomington Provost, President of the Bloomington Economic Development Corporation, and a health economist with the IU School of Public and Environmental Affairs about the hospital's move. What will it mean for the patients, the university, and the future of the hospital? Join us as we address all this and more after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net and from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Officials from IU Health Bloomington Hospital and Indiana University announced this week plans for a new regional academic health campus on land owned by the university off Indiana 4546 bypass. Plans call for a new inpatient hospital, a new ambulatory or outpatient center, and a new academic building in which IU will consolidate a lot of its health sciences programs. With us today to talk about this project are four guests. Three are in the studio now. One will be joining us later. Mark Moore is here. Mark's the president and CEO of IU Health Bloomington Hospital. Lynn Coyne is the president of the Bloomington Economic Development Corporation and also vice chair of the IU Health Bloomington Hospital Board. And Kosalee Simon is with us right now, and she is the health, uh, health economist who works uh, in the School of Public and Environmental Affairs. And we're also going to be joined for the second half of the program by IU Bloomington Provost Lauren Robel. You can join the discussion by giving us a call at 855-0811. That's uh, 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Or you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can also follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So big news this week, Mark. Very much so, Bob. It's a pleasure being with you today. Well, thanks, and thanks for all of you for being here with us today. So, Mark Moore, the uh, the, pres- the CEO and president of, of uh, IU Health Bloomington Hospital. So, the big announcement that you're going to make a move with the hospital. It's been the the idea of the hospital moving has been on the public uh, board really for quite a while, um, but it really came to the forefront recently when uh, you know IU Health System said, well, you're not going to build it on 2nd Street, and everybody assumed it was going to go out to North Park. What right. changed? Well, the, you know, the backdrop for all of this really is uh, our regional planning that is reflective of what's, what the trends are in healthcare. Uh, we know across the country, uh, institutions and providers are being rewarded for how well they do things, not just how many things they do. We know inpatient census and utilization across the country is slightly declining each year as we do a better job of keeping people out of the hospital. And we know the outpatient 
market is exploding and growing. So part of that, uh, when we combined it also with our current facility that has 50 to 60-year-old infrastructure and is restricted in so many ways from parking to topography to, to access, et cetera, uh, our plan called for a replacement institution, and one that was modern, up-to-date, all private rooms, inpatient only, and right beside it would be an ambulatory center that would be reflective of that patient experience, uh, separate but connected. So that was the concept uh, that we wanted to follow here in, in the future. What's transpired literally uh, since the beginning of this year as an idea, concept, and President McRobbie is on the IU Health Corporate Board uh, and was familiar with our strategies and, and our directions and instituted the idea as a concept again to think about Let's take these two great institutions and organizations and let's combine them for a true win-win. Uh, one in which we could locate on university property, which I hopefully everyone has seen is off the bypass uh, where the current golf driving range is, uh, approximately 75 acres there. But combine that also with the academic portion that I'll, I'll let the provost talk about here in a second, uh, that really uh, introduces the relocating a number of the health science programs, uh, increasing the enrollment, and, and really starting to collaborate in a way we have never been able to do, perhaps, in, in the past. In other words, stimulate our innovative thinking around not just co-locating buildings, but how we can really start to work on the interdisciplinary approach, how we can do applied research, clinical research, and and really have a learning laboratory and, and, and a, an, a, a whole atmosphere and environment there that will benefit patients. Would the IU uh, hospital in Bloomington be then considered a teaching hospital? Well, it, let, let me only qualify that to say when you think in kind of a traditional sense of an academic health center that exists, for instance, in Indianapolis, uh, they often have multiple residencies and, and quite an indoctrination of, of health learning uh, and teaching of students, et cetera. We've had a good history here of medical students and nursing students and other allied health professionals. So we'll go up on that ladder significantly. Uh, but I want to qualify. I'm not, we won't replicate everything that goes on in a setting like Indianapolis. Sure. Some of that will be contained by uh, how many patients we see here in, in our locale versus a major urban area. I think it's worth, uh, Mark, and, and uh, Provost Lauren Robel has joined us too. Either one of you could, could speak to this, but I think one thing that people don't really realize is how many medical students there are in Bloomington right now and what levels of medical students. So could you talk about that? Well, we have a long history of, of helping to precept and, and have medical students in the hospital setting with a lot of both um, leadership from physicians as well as volunteerism. Mm -hmm. And uh, it used to be that the first two years would be done here and then they would go to Indianapolis for years three and four of medical school. I'm thinking, Lauren, about four years ago, we started to introduce years three and four, four. Right. Uh, so that they could get the majority of that here on campus. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've expanded the enrollment and added those years. So it's pretty intensive. Mm -hmm. There, there are, are um, about 1,200 students that we count in the health sciences areas on this campus, and I think that that was a surprise to me, even someone who'd been here for 30 years. 
Um, part of the reason that the health sciences did not feel like such a big part of the campus is because they're so spread out and disaggregated and, frankly, tucked away. You know, they're mm -hmm. tucked away in um, the bottom of buildings, the top of buildings. Our speech and hearing clinic is in a place that, uh, I don't know if you've gone for a a hearing test. Is it still back behind this building? Yes. <laughs> so you can you can basically hear trombones practicing while you're doing your your hearing test, and that's a little problematic. Yeah. You know, is that, that supposed to? Am difficulty. I supposed to be hearing <laughs> trombones? <laughs> right. you know? So when we started a couple years ago, trying to think what will become of the health sciences on the campus, what do we have? Uh, it was quite stunning when we, we started pulling it all together and then figuring out um, how deep the relationship is with the hospital, how many faculty and researchers there are, and then, frankly, how difficult the space issues were for them. Well, I know that uh, in the, the news conference, I think there were various things discussed. I mean, uh, speech and hearing, as you mentioned, optometry, the School of Public Health. I mean, there are a lot of different things. I mean, um, Provost Robel, what's your vision for what could be built out in this new campus? Well, that there's, there's some fluidity around that, but, but at the core of medical sciences, the 36 students who come in every year to work on their MDs, uh, nursing, where we know we can expand and we really do need to expand but haven't been able to expand, speech and hearing. Um, there are, uh, and the social work program that is right now in a, a cute little house over on Atwater, uh, but it's not a house they can plausibly think of expanding uh, in order to accommodate a, an MSW program, mm -hmm. and our community needs that kind of mm -hmm. clinical help. Mm -hmm. So those four for sure, and now that we're able to have these conversations openly, we can start talking to public health and optometry and see, and dentistry, mm -hmm. and see who's interested. Mm -hmm. There's nothing uh, with dentistry here now, is that correct? No, there isn't, but the dentistry has expanded across the state uh, bit by bit, and we started conversations as part of the strategic planning process to, uh, to see if they'd be interested here. You know, outside my office, there is up on the wall a tooth. When you look at all of the, uh, the schools that are represented on the campus, I don't know how old those carvings are, but one of them is dentistry. And I'm, I'm hoping by the end of all of this, perhaps the tooth will be reunited yeah. with, its, <laughs> with its head. <laughs> you know, one of the things I'd add to that, too, that's probably little known is the number of dental emergencies mm. we get into the emergency department of the hospital. It's, it's significant, daily. <clears throat> and it's from individuals who have put off mm. a dental care appropriately or just had it erupt or whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think there's there's a way, I mean, that's one that really interests our, our physicians mm -hmm. uh, and providers. Well, let me offer our phone numbers again, 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So I, I want to ask Kosalee Simon, who's here with us, about uh, these trends in health you know, Mark Moore talks 
uh, talks very eloquently about how things are changing in the hospital from his perspective. Um, you're, you see it as more of a, an academic who studies this. You know, how, Mark is, I'm sure you're going to say Mark's accurate, but could you just go into a little bit more about how this whole world of hospitals and healthcare is, cha- is changing? Absolutely. I think that changes like these are part of the, the just the organic development of how healthcare is progressing in ways that combine academics and, and healthcare delivery. So it used to be that hospitals could be seen as just this isolated entity where you go when you are really sick and you have a procedure and then that, that's it, everything else happens outside. But it, it, the hospital is really the embodiment of where learning takes place and is, is at its most advanced stage. And so having a university and a, and a healthcare facility partner is just great for both sides. It's a win-win. The educational programs benefit, the students that are being trained understand the setting in which they're going to be practicing their skills, and, and the, the, the hospital gains from having this constant uh, being on the forefront of development mm-hmm. in science. Now, when I've talked to, to Mark Moore and Mark Land from the university about this, both of them talked about how this mm-hmm. is sort of a unique setup, that typically there's a, a hospital, that a regional hospital like Bloomington Hospital, or an academic hospital like what's up in Indianapolis, but this kind of university and regional hospital um, blending is a little unique. Do, do you see others like this around the country? You're right that most most instances we think of are ones that have been like that for a long time. You know, think about Johns Hopkins and just how it's mm. developed. Um, this combining of the two is. I actually I, I tried to search for some examples before coming here of you know ha- has this happened recently and nothing came up immediately that was very recent. So I think this is going to be seen as a, a pretty you know unique setting in 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 modern day times of mm-hmm. having this happen. Okay. And Lynn Coyne is with us today. I want to give Lynn an opportunity to, to jump in here because Lynn, Lynn comes at it from two different perspectives. Actually, Lynn's a guy who needs about six heads for all the different hats <laughs> right. he wears around right. here. So, uh, you know, your, your BEDC hat, the Bloomington Economic Development Corporation hat. So what's this mean for the Bloomington community in terms of, you know, economic growth? Well, it, it manifests itself on several different levels. And just following what Kosa Lee said, we're able to go out into the world in a global economy and say we live in a community that is unlike any other in the country today. We have two major institutions with great vision who came together and formed this, uh, and that's the type of city we live in. And that is a powerful resonant message as we go around recruiting employers, speaking about bringing people to Bloomington. That's exactly what we want, and frankly, we stand up. It, it is a very special event. I also searched and could find no other community who's done this. So it's a very unique opportunity. At a more local level, you have the obvious uh, impact. We're going to have 3,000 employees now occupying on the east side on the bypass. That'll have uh, a retail commercial impact on the mm-hmm. east side, help revitalize it and change that dynamic. In terms of basic employment, it's very, very significant. At the Bloomington Economic Development Corporation, we've been focusing a long time on the life sciences, biotechnology, bioinformatics, and so forth, and encouraging people to look at Bloomington as a place to 
create their entrepreneurial visions. Uh, we have a solid entrepreneurial ecosystem here and encouraging them to join us and understand that this is the place to be, this is where it's happening. This catapults us forward in that initiative. Not to mention uh, the IT sector, the technology sector. As you know, healthcare is going a lot to um, apps and mobile healthcare and healthcare informatics and medical informatics. And we have a huge base here in terms of the School of Informatics and now the School of Medicine. The connection that this will bring with the resources in Indianapolis to me is a direct pipeline to the best and brightest in the country that are now there that can be deployed down here and that manifests itself in all these entrepreneurial adventures. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a huge win in terms of the economic development of this entire region. Okay, we have a phone call I wanna to go to. So um, Mark is on the line, Mark. Hi. Hey, go ahead. Um, yeah, I wanna put something out here that uh, I, I know, I think Mark Moore can address, but, um, and it's something that is definitely on the radar screens of a lot of people. And, and I can speak to this with some understanding of it. I'm a physician, and I was 20 years on staff at Bloomington Hospital, and then now I've been 20 years on faculty, almost to the day, uh, in the School of Medicine here in this uh, in Bloomington. And one of the things I'm hoping will be on the radar screen, and granted this is going to be getting the horse a little ahead of the cart, but um, uh, that would be involvement with residency programs. Um, having residents here, uh, either family practice, internal medicine, something of that sort. In terms of uh, recruiting physicians, we, Bloomington doesn't seem to have any issues with that. Uh, we get plenty of doctors coming. But um, in our immediate area, not so much. And um, I, I know this idea is being talked about for the whole of southern Indiana, um, well, at least the southwestern corner of it. And I'm hoping that at least at some point, I realize we've got to get a hospital built and an education system, so forth, rolling that we're, you know, the, the buildings. Uh, but, uh, and I will take, you can answer this offline, but, uh, or I'll hang up and listen. But, um, Mark, if you could please address uh, the, the possibilities for residency programs uh, in the new facility, possibly being part of a larger um, consortium, larger area. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for your call. Uh, Mark, your, uh, your comments are, are certainly right to the, the heart of the issue of our ability to expand our role. And we have indeed in past years talked about a family practice residency, and, and I think that's at the center of the bullseye. But there could be other opportunities for residencies that, again, would have to be tempered with how much business volume and, and patient care we give to sustain different residencies. But I think this is where the collaboration with downtown Indianapolis and the med center and the programs that occur there, there could be more rotations, there could be mm -hmm. fellowships or fellows rotating through here, just a lot of other opportunities for, for uh, residencies and fellows to be involved without us necessarily having to dedicate 10 or 20 residencies here. But will we begin that process and analyze it and create some opportunities? I, I firmly believe we will. Mm -hmm. um, Provost Robel, so how, how do you go about, how does the, how does the university go about, um, I guess, deciding what kind of programs you're going to be able to offer through, uh, you know, the medical school or a lot of these other clinical 
clinical things that you might be able to, to have, uh, you know, students doing clinical um, rotations and whatnot in the hospital. How do you go about developing those programs? Well, the university has a clinical affairs committee that's headed up by Jay Hess, the dean of the medical school. And um, Dean Hess is responsible, really, for thinking about clinical placements across the state and also responsible, ultimately, for all of the medical programs. So I would work very closely through the medical, um, through Dean Hess and the Clinical Affairs Committee. Uh, that's a committee that is made up of the deans of all of the health sciences programs, and so it's a great uh, place to really think through these issues. And of course, in very, very close conversation with IU Health Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I would add to that that the dean is in all of the senior leader retreats and meetings that go on at, between these two organizations. So mm-hmm. uh, strong collaboration already occurring. Okay. We've, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, we've seen the, the photos or the drawing, the, the conceptual drawing. How far along on the planning are you? How, um, you know, we've... The front page of the paper did a great job, I thought, of, you. of, you know, a great overview. But um, how far along are you really? I mean... We are just at the beginning. Just at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> and, and certainly have uh, come to understanding through a memorandum of understanding between our organizations in terms of the location and the cooperation, the collaboration. But as far as actual planning and programming and ultimate design development, that's all in front of us. You know, it's interesting, usually when you think about two um, large organizations, like the two we're talking about, they tend to turn rather slowly. But you said this has been discussed just since the first of the year. This has got to be some kind of a a land speed record for for these two organizations. When it's a great concept that turns into idea, you want it to make, make it reality quickly. Well, I think think it's it's worth noting that there's a lot of overlap. I mean, I think, Mm -hmm. and Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to explain uh, the relationship between IU Health and Indiana University, or perhaps uh, Lauren Robel could do that, because I think it is, you know, because IU is in the name of IU Health, everybody thinks that is the university and this is the university, and so why wouldn't they work together? A lot of people think that, but IU Health and Indiana University are not the same thing. Right. Well, there's different organizational ownerships. Sometimes folks think that it's all one ownership. That's not the case. There's different ownerships, but there's a significant amount of affiliations and, and overlap all the way from agreements with the School of Medicine in terms of the training and and site of, of uh, patient care for medical students, nursing students, et cetera. A lot of different relationships that way. And then overlapping membership at, at the corporate level. Mm-hmm. As I indicated, President McRobbie mm-hmm. serving on the IU mm-hmm. Health corporate board as an example. Uh, the dean, Dean Hess, serving on that board, et cetera. So uh, the relationship is strong, um, but, but still there are different organizational structures there. Mm-hmm. And, and Lauren, please jump in there if you can help me with that, because it is a complex relationship. It is a cl- complex <laughs> relationship. And the, uh, I remember so well, Mark, uh, at that meeting in January where we were presenting this idea for, the, for really the first time to, the, to your board, and you said, we'll need to move slowly and carefully and figure out what the relationship will be between the academic programs and the hospital. And I've, I've remembered that ever since and feel very strongly that that's 
that is the way to go. Mm-hmm. We are building something new. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, there are so many opportunities and exciting things, but of course, you know, anytime you add something new to a part of town, uh, there are uh, concerns that pop up at the same time. We had someone who wrote in and is concerned about access to the hospital for emergency vehicles during football games. You want to take that on, Mark? Uh, football or basketball. Or basketball, of course. Mm-hmm. Be glad to. Um, Obviously, it's a it's a thought, a consideration that we uh, had as we had looked at the site. Um, the first thing I would tell you is that the the site will have two different entry points, one off of the bypass where there's an existing curb cut into the golf course driving range, et cetera. But if you take that road on back to the east, I think that would be. It's basically range road that curves around and and uh, connects back in across 10th Street and turns into P. Dallas Drive. So that will be a second entry point. So it's always good to have two entry points into a campus. Mm-hmm. We'll obviously be working with the university and the Department of Transportation in terms of things like additional access lanes, um, potential of a light, potential of four-laning 10th Street, you know, down to range, line, uh, range road. Uh, so improvements of that nature and then the university as i understand it really gears up for those special events and added law enforcement folks to help with traffic control and there will be plans that will help get ambulance traffic and just individual traffic Mm -hmm. to the hospital during those dates of which when you look at the whole calendar aren't voluminous uh, but it's doable it's very doable and so even as we looked at the traffic or, or the travel time between the, that campus and 37, which will be I-69, it added five minutes or less mm. from our other site we had looked at. Mm-hmm. All right, if you wanna join us on this program, we're talking about the big announcement this week about IU Health, Bloomington Hospital, and the university sort of joining forces for a new academic health campus uh, on the uh, IU property on the 40. Indiana 4546 bypass. If you want to join us and talk about this, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiu.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIU.org news. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. We have four guests with us in the studio talking about the IU Health Bloomington Hospital, uh, the the 
the impending move to the east side of town. Mark Moore, president and CEO of IU Health Bloomington Hospital. Lynn Coyne, the president of the Bloomington Economic Development Corporation and the vice chair of the IU Health Bloomington Board. Kosalee Simon, a health economist from the IU School of Public and Environmental Affairs. And IU Bloomington Provost Lauren Robel is also with us today. If you want to join us, 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Lynn, if you'll put your BEDC hat on for a minute, please. Yes, ma'am. Um, I would think that you and your board must be absolutely thrilled and kind of reeling from the number of possibilities that that might, that this plan is going to generate and I think um, change the whole east side of Bloomington as we know it. What's been the reaction of your board? Well, it's been overwhelmingly positive, uh, but I have to say, like all others, they didn't really know until the very end here. That was part of the relationship of wearing different hats. Um, one of the things that, that is particularly exciting is you look, there is this IU Technology Park mm-hmm. that extends from 10th Street all the way back to Dunn. And we have been looking at that a long time, saying, okay, what can happen here and how can that develop out? and particularly in the life sciences, uh, biomedicine, biotechnology, and all the things that are happening. So it's exciting to understand that as this hospital medical education complex, the regional academic health center develops, what will develop around it? Mm -hmm. And this is particularly, let's start with where the cyber infrastructure is and the data center. And let's just talk about bioinformatics and healthcare informatics. You have access to one of the largest computational capacities in the nation that you can see from the window of these facilities. Then that can attract other things. You may see another building or two take place along the bypass adjacent to the cyber infrastructure building. And as we have that critical mass of people, we have now a connectivity to the main campus that will encourage people to move back and forth from the laboratories and the two multidisciplinary science buildings and all the wonderful creative things that are happening and how that it gets implemented a little further to the east across the bypass. There are future plans to connect what is, I guess we'll call now 14th Street, which will be the entrance to this hospital connect it westward back through the campus. Mm. And when that connects, then that opens up that passageway. We also have mass transportation. We have bus links. Um, So you can see how this will then become part of the overall bus circulation of the campus. So it just broadens the campus dramatically. And when you do that, you broaden opportunities greatly as well. Not just in the number of students and faculty and researchers, but all the spinoffs that occur from that. So it's been very exciting. It's hard to get your head around all of this. I can tell you that I am the envy of my colleagues. (laughs) It doesn't happen very often, and I'm very glad to be there. So thank you. I I have a question for Kosalee. Actually, a couple, because you've got a um, variety of perspectives on this, too. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about just the economics of it, but I wanted to go back to that. You know, you've got a hospital like Bloomington Hospital that's, it been in its same location for over a hundred years. It's landlocked. The building's getting old. All these changes in healthcare, the hospital has to has to figure out a way to make the economics of the situation work. I mean, how important was this move for Bloomington Hospital? That's my first question. Well, I think yeah, keeping in mind the 
the national landscape in, in which this is happening. So it's, it's happening at a time of great change in government policy spurring changes in healthcare through the Affordable Care Act. It's happening at a time of cost containment being really a big issue. And, and also on the research side, so on the, on the academic side, the national landscape is characterized by um, the, the difficulty of research funding in medical care. The, national, um, the, the NIH funding being a big issue for advancement in, in medical sciences. So I think for that in particular, bringing the academic and the healthcare delivery side is, is exciting because that strengthens position for competing for research dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about a new, new whenever there's a change that's a, uh, of a location, it's a good opportunity to rethink how we organize the healthcare delivery system in a way that can uh, rethink the model of okay now that we're we're in a, a world where reimbursement happens in a different way and the the what's mm-hmm. being emphasized is a lot of you know how can we fix a broken healthcare system we get an opportunity to build that into the new plan so there could be this uh, recognition that we're re- re-examining the way that we have gone about practice as usual. Mm-hmm. So I think all this means it, it happens at a great time. The university's all been thinking through the health sciences strategic, strategic planning mm-hmm. theme that, that we need to grow. And uh, this, this is a great area to grow in. The projected uh, job employment in healthcare sector is projected to be twice the rate of the growth of the economy in the past decade, the number of jobs that have been added through the healthcare sector far surpasses other areas. So this all is, uh, mm-hmm. can't say enough, I'll yeah, well, let, an opportunity. Yeah, let, let, me, let me follow up just with question two, and you're sort of getting to that a little bit, and, and I know uh, Provost Robel will want to jump into this too, but from an academic side, you know, thinking about curriculum and courses that could be developed, you know, we've talked about the clinical side a lot, but from the from the uh, the curriculum side, I mean, what kinds of things could you see uh, SPIA starting to get into and, and being able to be taught uh, with this new advantage of having a hospital right next door? Yes, so this is really <laughs> exciting for, for SPIA and for other units, of course. Uh, we've had very strong connections in the past at both the, the student and the faculty level with the hospital because of the educational programs we've had um, in healthcare management and policy. And, and we've been building that strength with additional hiring and additional curriculum developments to think about how best to train the, the, the managers of the future people who will be in, in, in positions that incorporate both the the, the management of healthcare facilities and, and, and related enterprises, as well as understanding the, the role of changing policy. So this gives us more opportunity to think about how best to serve this vast number of, of programs where the clinical side, in, in order to be really effective at leadership in the clinical side, and understanding of the management and the policy is, is, is key. So having this large number of students who are going to be entering into into this field gives us an opportunity to to advance the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Lauren, you can add to that, but also you talked at the uh, news conference about attracting grants as well. So if you yes. address that too. Well, the thing that Lynn said a few mm-hmm. minutes ago about the um, the opportunities multiplying at such mm-hmm. a an incredible rate 
the more you think about the possibilities of co-locating people mm -hmm. has been exactly where I've been for the past several months. On the um, educational side, uh, we've talked a lot about interprofessional education, the need to, to create teams of healthcare professionals who, who really understand how to work together seamlessly and, and where to move the care, you know, to, to which part of the professional team the care needs to go, when to bring in people, whether it's optometrists in diabetes care or it's, um, as Mark was saying, a dental emergency. That it, there, there are big needs there, and that is now considered the gold standard. It can't be done really effectively if you are scattered in buildings all over the place, and it's very difficult to do when you're not close to the hospital. Mm. We, we um, also have been thinking a lot now that we can imagine this space or begin to imagine it about all of the other parts of the university that are implicated by this kind of development. As Kosali was mentioned, SPIA has an, a big program. We've obviously developed a school of public health here in the last couple of years and it's deeply implicated. There are um, programs within the College of Arts and Sciences, like the Psychological and Brain Sciences program, mm -hmm. speech and hearing, of course, and then um, the School of Informatics and Computing, which has a bioinformatics focus within its informatics department. So I think that this will bring a lot of people out, both on the research or on the educational side and on the research side. In the same way that education in health sciences now is deeply interprofessional, research is deeply interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to create interdisciplinary teams with the space to accommodate them. And so I'm, I'm just like Lynn said, I'm <laughs> sort of blown away by the, <laughs> by the possibilities going forward. Yeah. Bob, could I add also, sure. um, as important as the hospital is, increasingly it's one part of a full care continuum mm -hmm. that really starts with primary care, your doctor's office, outpatient services, a hospital experience if you would need it, post-acute care, and, and how well we coordinate that care, which I will tell you historically has not been very good. And so... Uh, even as we have partnered with the, the School of Public Health, as an example, some of their research will be in the outpatient arena just as much as in the hospital itself. Thus, the large ambulatory care center right okay. beside the hospital, uh, it's, it's all going to work together. And, and uh, I didn't want to eliminate the fact that a lot of the, the focus and research could easily be on the outpatient side just as much mm -hmm. as the inpatient. Mm -hmm. Just quickly, somebody asked me yesterday, wh so where does the emergency room go? Will that be in the ambulatory care? Will no. it be in the, it'll be in the hospital. It, it'll so, be in the hospital, so but, but our early on concept is mm -hmm. Uh, very close to it would probably be an urgent care center too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you could still go there, but you know, for the flu or the cold, or whatever. But but the emergency department will still be right there. Mm -hmm. Okay, that gotcha. makes a lot of sense. You know, we're we're looking forward, and it's so exciting. But for people who live in Bloomington, there's the concern about the Second Street property, the existing hospital property. Um, what kind of assurances is IU Health giving Bloomington, you know, we're not going to just walk away from that site, and how active a role 
is your organization willing to play in the eventual redevelopment of that site? Well, obviously being the owners of the site, because right. I heard that question before, who owns the property? Right, that's I, great. IU Health Bloomington right. does. <clears throat> and I'll let Lynn comment with his board hat on about this too. Uh, but the mayor has proposed a reuse committee that would study options, study what's happened in other communities and make recommendations back to, to the hospital. Uh, we'll have participation on that group with board members, et cetera. We want to actively listen, be part of it. I think our commitment, Lynn, would be to be good corporate citizens, mm -hmm. to absolutely understand the, the best possible uses and, and do our best to follow that process. So we don't have, and, and I've said this perhaps too many times, we don't want to leave an abandoned building there. Mm -hmm. that's, not, that's not a win-win. Uh, we, we want a win-win out of this process. Lynn, do you want to follow up? Yeah, I agree with Mark, and, and uh, I'm privileged to serve on a board with tremendous people. Joyce Poling is chair and a great leader, and I don't want to speak for all of them. I'm, that's not my authority, but I can tell you uh, from my perspective, the overall concept of the hospital relocating and joining with Indiana University, it, the whole discussion is all about the quality of patient care in this region. That's the board's mission, and they're very focused and dedicated to that, and this we truly believe enhances, enhances greatly the patient experience and medical care throughout the region. There's no question about it or we wouldn't be doing this. Part of that overall thing is our role in the community and being a good corporate citizen. That means having a very serious and enduring dialogue on the use of the Second Street parcel. Um, as Mark says, you don't, no one's going to lock the door and walk away. Uh, we're going to participate very closely. I am on the mayor's committee for the reuse of the site. I see that as a tremendous opportunity. Uh, it's a chance to bring a currently untaxed parcel back on the tax rolls in a way that will enhance this community. And I think that's what we want to see with that site. What betters the community? What serves it better? What, how we can move forward, whether whatever it turns out to be, housing, services, whatever, it's proximity to the B-line. We need to thoroughly and intensively review all of that and make the best use of it we can. And I think the hospital is committed to do that and will be there throughout that process to see that it happens. So everything's on the table, reuse of existing structures, demolition of ex existing structures, um, just Everything's on the table at this point. Everything's on the table. Okay. I think that's the job of this committee, to take a long, hard look at that. I think one of the roles the hospital plays is provide all kinds of data and support and information so that they make a very informed decision, particularly with regard to the condition of the building. Right. There's a clue that we're leaving. Uh, and I think providing data mm. on that so that mm -hmm. the committee is well informed sure. as they think through possible uses is a very, very important function of the hospital. Mm -hmm. We have a phone call from uh, Randy from Bloomington. Randy? Yeah, my question is actually mm -hmm. somewhat related to mm -hmm. that. Uh, the current hospital is surrounded by related businesses, especially doctor's offices, some of them in old neighborhood houses. and. Um, the new site doesn't have any kind of neighborhood that can be used that way. Um, I was just wondering what people's thoughts are about the uh, related businesses around the hospital. Thanks. Lynn? I'll try to address that a little bit. And th this will play out over the next two to five years as we plan ahead and we think about these things. On 
the existing businesses will, I think, over time commercially have the opportunity to transition. We often see that, and I think that's part of the reuse study. It's not just the boundaries of the hospital site. It's the community around the hospital site also, and what will the impact be and how they will be reused. With regard to the new site, um, there are opportunities on the east side, and bear in mind uh, the 4546 bypass stretches all the way out through Ellettsville. We also have I-69 that's going to come online. Transportation will change dramatically, and our concepts of what is uh, access and proximity should change with that. One of the uses out toward North Park in the future of the former hospital site might be medical office facilities. Um, it's a transportation issue. It's a communication issue. You might see different uses of some of the east side properties occurring. That then will transition to different neighborhood uses down around the existing hospital site. So that's one of the many things we're going to look at in the reuse commission and take it very seriously is how does that transition out? Because not only do we not want the hospital to be an empty building sitting there, we don't want those others to be empty buildings sitting there. Right. So let's encourage people to be uh, to occupy them in perhaps new and creative ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Our phone numbers again are 812-855-0811, You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Uh, I wanted to ask a question. I'm not – you know, you might all be able to answer this, but I'm, I'm going to ask uh, – Lauren Robel first about uh, relationships with other entities in the community because we've you know we, we haven't really brought up the fact that and you know Lynn you know all about this too but the the uh, medical device industry that's mm -hmm. here in Bloomington or pharmaceuticals with Cook Pharmaca and what does a, a major um, regional medical campus allow for in terms of relationships with those those health-related industries that are in town. Lauren? Am I allowed to say bioengineering? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> today's news, um, of course, was about the trustees' action yesterday to allow the campus to move forward with a focused engineering program in the, uh, in the area primarily of small-scale uh, engineering, device engineering, but a lot of the overlap there is in bioengineering and this is the piece that our um, our scientists are most excited about um, all of our science departments on the campus see possibilities in this direction and it links quite directly with the employers in the region and with this new development so I think we're we really are on the cusp of a set of, of academic developments and research developments that will allow us to build out that technology part in import, uh, park in important ways. And the, and the uh, School of Informatics and Computing is actually quite close to this site, especially when, as Lynn noted, we have plans to uh, punch through it, um, 14th. With the 14th. 14th. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Lynn? I think uh, probably the best example I can give you is at the press conference on Wednesday morning, sitting in the first rows where the leadership of Cook companies. Mm -hmm. And they were applauding and they stood at the end. I think that sends a very clear message about the future possibilities of collaboration with our 
life science employers, those who are here now, their growth, and those to come. Mm-hmm. All right. Mark, the, the plans for the new hospital actually call for fewer beds than we have at the existing hospital, and that might not make sense uh, to a lot of people. Do you want to explain why there are going to be actually fewer patient beds, inpatient? Well, what I indicated earlier in terms of one of the major trends occurring across the country is a decline in use rate in terms of how many people are hospitalized per thousand population. And that's a combination of us continuing as an industry to do a better job of decreasing complications, readmissions, et cetera. The use of technology that enables things to be done today as an outpatient or will be that previously had been done as as an inpatient. Um, Some of it's fueled even by the economics of high deductible insurance plans that Mm -hmm. have people more judicious about how they spend their dollars out of pocket uh, around those things. So all of those uh, things have contributed to the inpatient uh, census across the country going down two to three percent or so for the last five years. Now with fewer beds, do you think you'll have um, more, fewer, or the same number of physicians with privileges? Um, we would, with what we're uh, in anticipating here, I mean, I, I think the number will go up because particularly out of our specialty groups, uh, they will continue to want to have access and, and participate and be on the medical staff of, of such a thriving institution. Now, I also want to qualify. We haven't locked in on those bed numbers quite yet mm-hmm. uh, because okay. there are counterbalancing trends. I mean, we're an older aging population in in southern Indiana, for instance. And then as the trends affect our smaller hospitals across southern Indiana, and example is at IU Health Morgan, Mm -hmm. which uh, on April 1 no longer sees inpatients, but it's a robust ambulatory center with an ED, uh, emergency department, outpatient services, et cetera. As some of those trends happen, the regional hub uh, our institution will increasingly be the resource. So we're trying to forecast where will healthcare be in four years and, and beyond. And probably the thing we have to do is be flexible. Mm-hmm. We have to build flexibility into the building mm-hmm. so that we can can understand that demand and, and um, adjust accordingly. Along the same lines, 17 acres sounds like a great amount right now, but uh, some people have said, well, is, that, is that going to be enough? Do I have that number wrong? No, 15 seven, acres. 75. 75. Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Got that way wrong. Well, it is expandable, correct? That's, I mean, the... Uh, yeah. The 75 acres, I, I think, will be pretty adequate mm-hmm. to accommodate the hospital, the outpatient services, the academic uh, structures. It's really kind of the unknown of the additional developments that will come about in the future. I've got a lot of other questions I want to ask, but we have a couple quick ones I think we need to get to. One is, um, uh, uh, Provost, uh, somebody asked on our live chat what campus units will move to the new space. You've sort of addressed that, but do you you, you think those four units, you want to go over those again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, medical sciences, nursing, um, speech and hearing, and social work will definitely move. Mm-hmm. And then we're in conversations with other units. Uh, We haven't been able to have those conversations in a robust way until this news became public. We had a lot of health sciences people doing program planning without really knowing 
what would happen to their program plan. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's the next step on our campus, but definitely those four. Mm -hmm. We had another uh, live chat question about uh, tax property tax implications. Um, Lynn? Yeah, uh, my initial impression of the property tax implications is uh, also a win-win for the county and the city because the existing site of the hospital is not taxed right now, but it will go back on the tax rolls as redevelopment takes place. I would assume most of it. There might be some nonprofits there, but I think the, one of the goals would be to get it back on the tax rolls, which would add significant uh, value to the assessed valuation of the county. Likewise, the North Parkland. Mm. Um, which is currently owned by a nonprofit, most likely will not be in the future. So there are two very large parcels with potential, great uh, potential to add to the overall assessed valuation of the county. So I would see this as a positive for local government resources. All right, and quickly, Mark, timeline. The timeline we've talked about is uh, probably the development of the hospital, the site, um, and in concert, the uh, university's academic building within a four to five year time frame. Okay. And, and that's conservative. We want to allow it to uh, progress ahead and be thoughtful and well done. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll be itchy to get it moving. So yeah, right. okay. <laughs> we'll be looking at those schedules and uh, well, seeing what we, we can do. We could go on for a long time yeah, more, really. but I'm afraid we're out of time. I want to thank our guests today, Mark Moore, Lynn Coyne, Coastal Lee Simon, and Provost Lauren Robel. Also for our producers, Lacey Scarmana and Alexander McCall, for engineer Mike Pashkash, and for Mary Catherine Carmichael. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu.